0: So my name is Cherie Briscoe. I am a 27-year 27 veteran, 27 veteran of the Baltimore Police Department. I joined December of 1994 and I am still there. Um, my current assignment, I am a colonel um, by right and I'm the chief of detectives. Um, the role in my family, very interesting question there. The role in my family, um, I am the middle child of three um so often I grew up with a level of like quirkiness awkwardness, not quite feeling like I fit in but I am like the um big sister uh, though I have a younger brother I'm like the big sister to my older sister and I'm the one that everyone seems to call uh, when things are going on life is happening I'm the person that they call um I, whether it's my mom my dad Um, my siblings or my cousins, and it's a large group of us. Uh, Most of my cousins are women, Uh, so we do a lot together. We travel together. We are each other's friends. Um, I'm a mother, mother of of four, grandmother of five granddaughters. Uh, So in in the role of family, uh, anchored in, in many different ways in my, in my motherhood state, if you will. Uh, in community, somewhat similar, though I wear a uniform. Um, that's really the attribute I think makes me most relatable is because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of brought in in um, that mother figure of though it's policing as the profession, uh, human beings, uh, you know, I'm a woman and that's really what exudes um, beyond um, anything else is that, that attribute about myself. Uh, my desire to help people, serve people, um, and and motherhood. Um, So I am a resident of Baltimore City. My community is um, the Mount Washington community. Uh, I I love it. I was born here in Baltimore, uh, raised here in Baltimore. Though in my very junior years, we lived, my family um, moved to Atlanta for my job opportunity for my father. I was six months old, and uh, we visited like three or four times a year. And we moved back when I was in the sixth grade. Um, so my I went to uh, Roland Park Elementary Middle, um, and I went to the Baltimore City College High School. Um, was the high school that I attended, uh, though I did not graduate from that high school. Uh, life, life. Uh, journeys. I was a, um, a teenage mom, so I didn't graduate from the high school, um, but I still represent that uh, high school as, as you know, my high school for Baltimore. Great,
1: thank you. Um, and I guess describe some of the work that you're most proud of, either in your own neighborhood or in all of the work you've done in Baltimore. Um,
0: so to describe some of the work that I have been so very blessed to do um, in the capacity of policing, uh, for all of its controversy, there are still so many genuine stories that are authentic, real, uh, heartfelt, and meaningful um, through this work for me, and that really was or uh, has been the work of relationship building. Um So much of policing is defined with a minus as in taking someone, um, you know, to jail or doing something in that level. And I'm not saying that that hasn't, you know, haven't had to do those things in the construct of my duties. But what I'm most proud of is relationship building. Three weeks after um, the riots of 2015, um, I became the commander of the Western District um, where the events and accounts uh, are now depicted in many different fashions um, in print in many different ways and with um, documentary stories. Uh, The the death of Freddie Gray um, happened inside of the uh, policing district of the Western District. And three weeks after that incident occurred, I became the commander. Um, and in that time, not fully knowing what to do next, um, because there was just so much hurt, rage, anger, frustration, fear, um, not knowing what step to take next. Um, from, from the seat of policing, what, the only thing that I knew to do was to reach out from the place in my heart as a human um, to, to just share with community that, that I see you, I hear you. Um, I feel your pain. Um, because I am a resident of the, of the city, um, a native of Baltimore, and most importantly, because I'm human. Uh, no one wants to, to to have that type of trauma and live through those types of circumstances and not be able to find connection with people in a way that makes it very real, authentic, um, that you can do something uh, with all of that raw edge emotion that was showing up. Um, so if I could say anything, what I'm, I'm most pleased with is the fact that we were able to relationship build with some very amazing people. Um, you know, people that will may not ever make a history book, but, but they're no less famous or no less noteworthy. Uh, that that to me has just been um, the jewel of the, the work that I've been able to do.
1: Great. And um, can you describe what some of that relationship building looked like or uh, I don't know is there a story that stands
0: out or a person that stands out so that relationship building looked uh, at different points different ways there were some days that relationship building was just um, you know me standing silent and absorbing um, you know the pummeling you know, owning the fact that, hey, Baltimore Police Department has not always done well or right by its citizenry, um, taking on the, the frustrations and fears and for, and hurts of a community that has um, been mistreated on various different levels and, and not served well. Um, and then there were days that I just got to wrap my arms around people and just hold them. Um, And tell them that, you know, no matter what comes, I'm I'm still here. You know, Cherie is still showing up. I love you. I'm committed. And I can say I love you to people that I don't know because I love myself. And I know that I want for my family and I want for my community the very same things. A healthy community, a loving community, one built in respect. Um, And because of my own faith walk, my own belief system, I can love people that I do not know. Um, And that's how I showed up and that's how we were able to build relationships. Um, One of the most notable moments for me, and and I'll share with you when I met one of the other women that you'll honor um, in in sharing this work was Gwen Brown. Um, She was doing work for for BUILD, Baltimoreans United in Leadership Development. They came to the Western District, she and Rob English at the time. uh, He was the uh, lead organizer for BUILD. Uh, And it came to the Western District. I was literally moving my things into the office. I had not even like announced my arrival. Like here I am, I haven't done an introduction. I'm wearing some um, capri pants and a t-shirt and I'm moving boxes in. And um, Rob English stands on the street and he goes into this very aggressive lament about what was expected of me we expect you to do these things. We expect you to answer the people. We expect you to lower crime and we expect you. And then Gwen stood there with this look on her face. So I don't know if they knew, and I never asked Gwen that question, if they knew who was commanding the district. They just showed up wanting to speak to the major. Um, At the time by rank, I was a captain. I wasn't the major, but I was sent there to command the district. And so I was the responsible person. And uh, she was standing beside Rob English with this look on her face like, "What what are you saying? At that moment, I had not said one word. I listened intensely and I said to him, well, thank you. I appreciate knowing your expectations. Just know that they don't exceed the expectations that I have of myself and for my team. But I can appreciate hearing them come in some fashion from your perspective. What I really want to expect, do and expect is what the law abiding, tax paying, good residents of the Western District expect of me. That is my priority, though I can appreciate you sharing yours. And so we ended our conversation on that note and Gwen was present and I thought to myself, Sister, who is this man that you're with? And how dare he come up to the Western District and lay down this uh, very abrasive tone of expectation when he doesn't even know me? Though I don't a patch that is riddled in some good history and some not good history, you don't know me. In any conversation, you start with anyone, you start on mutual respect. And so, from that place, Gwen followed up with, um, and you know, he introduced Gwen, and he told me that she would be my point of contact and the person that I would deal with, you know, more often than not. And um, we were able to lock eyes and have a very um, uh, innocent exchange that didn't leave me as feeling as bruised uh, in talking to Rob English. I can smile about it because I don't think he meant intended any harm. He just really wanted to convey the. Uh, seriousness of the moment is if for some reason I you know, he fathomed that I couldn't understand that the complexity of the moment. Tell me
1: how you came to doing this work, you know, not just policing, but um, you know what drives you to do the work and um, kind of how do you sustain your energy to continue this work that you do in communities.
0: Policing um, was not my first choice, believe it or not. At the time I was attending Morgan State University and there was a recruit drive going and this was the year 1994. And there was this huge push to get more women women to join the force. And uh, Tyrone Kilby uh, was at the time in recruitment. And I remember his name uh, because I later got to work with him in the Eastern District. He was a recruiter and he ran me down the hall and said, you just walk past my table and I'm talking to you. And I said, well, excuse me, you weren't talking to me. You were just trying to get people's attention. And you wanted people to join the Baltimore Police Department. You know, I was going at the time to Morgan for political science. I had an interest in politics. I had an interest in law. Um, and that was the way for me through a, a historically black college to find my way through law. I wanted to do something to advocate for um, victims. and had a lot of different issues in my uh, uh, childhood and I wanted to teach others, learn for myself and then teach others how to navigate um, the law and the, the, the society structure in that way. And so uh, he ran me down and shared this, gave me the speech about how the police department needed me and that I could bring my talents and gifts and resources and join a team and do some of the very things that I wanted to do in uh, the legal field. I could do them through policing. And so I was already a mother, I already had children, and it was something about that conversation that we had together and that connection that really attracted me, aroused my um, curiosity about policing, and I joined and never looked back. It was the fastest, uh, one of the fastest hires from start to finish, just like uh, just over two months from start of the application to the finish, of my, and me raising my right hand um, and taking my, my oath. Um, And I just I've never looked back. And so I love I I, I love the way that life just brings you to where your purpose is. And I've been doing it ever since. And I love it. It's my passion. People are my passion and finding ways um, to help people is really what I I, I push myself uh, for the most. So there are many different things, you know, after after any amount of years of doing anything. Uh, whether that's being a student in school or parenting children or being a, you know, a partner to someone in life, you have to um, reimagine new ways to find strength, even in the most difficult of moments, to continue to do it. And so with that, I can tell you God has always brought along people and circumstances to remind me why I'm here. Um, I honestly thought that uh, the Western District was going, was like the pinnacle of my career, like, I wouldn't surpass that place, I wouldn't surpass that, uh, rank, I wouldn't do anything else that I would retire from that seat, because there, that was the, the dream, if you will, you know, a rookie officer, when I started the, in the police department, um, joined in 94, I came out of the academy 95, my first district was the western district, I was a rookie officer there, didn't know what the heck I was doing, um, leaned a whole lot on all the senior old guys, if you will, and, um, I was able to go back to the Western in 2013 as a Lieutenant and run a shift in the district. And I just remember, especially in 2013, it was, it was, a, it was tumultuous then. Baltimore was still dealing with um, crime, but most importantly, drugs and poverty and the things, the precepts that lend themselves to crime. And I just remember thinking, hey, we're getting this wrong. And, I, and I, I had an abstract conversation just talking, just talking, saying, you know, if I ever got the chance, one day I would love to come back here and, you know, command this district. Lo and behold, only life knew how I would, I would get that opportunity. You know, you gotta be careful what you speak into existence if you're not prepared, because it might come to pass. And so I just never thought it, because the Western is one of the most difficult districts to lead um, because of all of its challenges. Um, though small, it is mighty. Um, and for many different reasons. And it, and it, it brings a lot of violence um, in that particular uh 220 square miles of real estate. Uh, the, you know, the epidemic of drugs and the level of, of poverty and disenfranchisement from um, community members there. So I just said it on a whim because I did not like the way uh, we were often guided to do policing. And I'm thinking, can we just in some way possible, can we just have conversations with people and tell them this isn't, don't do this anymore, this isn't healthy, and find other means and ways to draw to a resolution? And uh, that takes a level of boldness to go against the grain to do those things. And I'm not saying that singularly I possess that boldness, um, but I I think I found strength in being okay with getting fired. Somebody had to try something different because what we were doing wasn't working. And so that's the place that I drew, and I still do draw my strength from. The boldness to say, it's okay to be fired doing what I love, especially if it's for the right reasons. And I find that strength through people. God always sends me people to remind me why I'm doing this work, why I have not yet retired, why I'm still here. And it gives me more purpose to my living. Because as a parent, you're often telling your children, to push for dreams bigger than themselves, be great, do well, but you show up doing it incrementally. Every day being committed, being faithful, being loyal um, and willing, when I say loyal, not to any one person particularly, but loyal to the concepts of what is just, what is good, what is right, uh, um, and what is important. Important to the people you serve in this context. And so incrementally, you have to show up doing that work every day. So no one never tells you that. They just say, it's like, like you think, you imagine it's gonna be like this big boom. No big boom. The big boom happens every day you show up, but you gotta show up. So I draw strength in that way from my faith and from the people that I get to meet along the way.
1: And it sounds like, not to put words in your mouth, but also your upbringing some something that drives you or that pushed you to pursue some of this work as well? You can talk about it if you want, but.
0: Um. So the things that pushed me or pursue me to do this work in, in my upbringing, uh, to be honest with you, is really has been my my, my family, my children. Uh, most importantly, I became a parent at a very young age mm-hmm. and I was an, an emancipated minor and legally responsible and financially responsible for the choices that I was making for my children. Um, and so to try to model the best parts of yourself, because you're trying to make good people and, and produce good people to be in the world. That became my drive. I often wondered um, if my children could see me doing this, would they be pleased? And since, and I ask the same question from a perspective of my faith. Um, you know, if God, he sees me doing this, would he be pleased? Um, and, I, and, I, and I, you know, every day I went home to face my family, and if the, if the day wasn't a good day, and we we get talked about it, you know, we it was an honest conversation. So in my in my upbringing, the driver and the push has always been to model the thing for people that I that I lacked for myself, and to model what I want my children to take hold and root of in their pursuit to live a balanced and happy, joyful life. Um, that there is still beauty in struggle. And there is still beauty in being vulnerable, this beauty uh, and honor and in, in not having all the answers and in just pure struggle of life. And we make those things in some way, shape or form such a dirty word, struggle, but they make you such, it, it makes such good outcomes for yourself as a human that ultimately you wanna share that with other people. So if I showed you uh, you know, a beautiful you know, glass bowl with all this color hole. You know, oh, this is the most beautiful thing I ever saw. And then you drop it and you break it. People often want to discard all of those pieces because it's no longer whole. And then so for some, it lacks its beauty once it's broken. But that's all of us. And mm-hmm. so the, the the broken pieces aren't any less beautiful. You just gotta put them together and make something new out of it.
1: Mm, that's a beautiful yeah, um, <laughs> uh, image to Conjure up. Um, thank you. Will you s- describe your current role for a moment, just so? Because again, tell me again. You have a team of people, and your role in the police force is.
0: Yeah, so I'm the chief of detectives. So I run the division of detectives. So I have all the specialties: um, anti-crime. I have homicide, sex offense, um, warrant apprehension. Uh, I have that body of work now. Um, so there is though we're getting better at, at, at joining some level of human services like advocacy work, um, the detectives that I lead that division is largely male dominated, it is less diverse than any other part of the organization. Um, so that brings a whole different set of challenges. I am the first African American woman to reach the rank of, of Colonel, and I am the first African American woman to be a chief of um, anything much, much less importantly, detectives so oftentimes they are struggling with um, what I am saying to them and what I expect of them uh, and how that translates and the type of and how I want them to carry out the work because detectives often show up after a crime is committed after a victim is victimized and then they're working on the investigation and so their interactions are very different But at the end of the day, I want them to understand that they think back to the work on the front end as well. And so they have a responsibility to outreach the community. They have a responsibility to share all that they know in an empathetic, compassionate way, seeing all the people. And so they often look at me like, you know, I just want to be the town hugger. And to a certain extent, it has truth to it, Um, though I understand the requirements of my professional Career and what this role holds, I often challenge them to step outside of their comfort zone and do more and better by the people that we serve. Days that I, I, you know, I start the day out uh, and I pray before I go out the door. There's some days I'm just in tears because I don't know how I'm going to get the point across that what we're doing isn't working. Mm. Right. And so um, getting a case closed is in a large degree about trust. People have to trust what they tell you, you're going to do something with it and you're going to be honest and protect their identity in it and you're gonna be honest and protect them in it in some way, shape or form. And you're gonna be honest about how you represent what they share with you. Uh, And so much of our work at this level is is dictated by trust. And if we don't have trust, meaning you don't have relationship and rapport, it's very difficult to to close cases. So what I'm trying to explain these things to them They often look backward and say, well, we did it. It Say we did it. We closed cases back then. We had a good clearance rate. And I'm like, numerically, that may be true. But you literally destroyed all the people and relationships along the way. What was that worth? Was that number so important that it outweighed the person that gave you the information to get that number? No. It's a fallacy of thought. And so, not that I don't want to be able to uh, close cases by, you know, holding accountable the person, the perpetrator of a crime. I, too, simultaneously want to do it without ruining a relationship with community, without severing trust, um, without creating a larger fracture. Uh, And oftentimes, they're challenged by that logic. They think that the two can't exist together. So, I don't know if they fully understand what symbiotic relationships mean.
1: So... If you could talk a little bit about kind of your um, hopes for Baltimore, um, you know, your work in the future, what do you, what is your vision? What do you uh, want people to know about, about your work and about Baltimore?
0: I have many different hopes for Baltimore. That's a really good question. I have uh, right now faced with the hope and the prayer that we find other ways to resolve conflict that we're not resorting to violence and destruction, taking life. I hope um, that Baltimore begins to find itself investing more in young people, that we can breed the leaders that we, we read about, right? We can breed and help to mature and nurture our future generations. I hope that we do more to invest in the places that have been overlooked, mistreated, downtrodden. I hope that in some way, shape or form, we're able to knit together as a community and as Baltimoreans, they were put out of business. I get the need for policing. But I often wonder, is there another way? Because I really want us to be able to provide for, reason with, uplift, educate, uh, comfort, support each other in a way that policing means something totally different and looks totally different than we see it now. That's that's the hope I have. And I, I really hope to see the embers of that in my lifetime, the promise of that in my lifetime, the reality of that in my lifetime.
1: Well, Baltimore is lucky to have someone like you helping us shape that change right now. Uh, My role would be to, you know, again, just keep telling your story and bringing attention to the work that you're doing. So
0: thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for just taking your time for doing this project of all of the things you could have done, right? Um, I'll share something with you today. I was able to deliver the, the um, message at church for Women's Emphasis Month. And all I could think about was that I'm standing in a place in this moment and there's so many women that have come before me and that will come after me. Let me do my part while I'm here. Even if a person never knows my name or any sacrifice that I've made, just let me do my part while I'm here. That's what I want people to know about me. It is not about the uniform. It's not about the title. It's about the other amazing people that I've had, the opportunity, the pleasure, and the honor to meet on this journey that has made for me life in Baltimore better because of their sacrifice and their willingness to share love even to a person they don't
1: know.